From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. This broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that will give us insights into the various aspects of our Lord's temporal ministry, from His teaching and miracles to His atoning death on the cross and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled, Delight and Desires. The text is found in Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Delight in God has a transforming power and lifts a man above the gross desires of our fallen nature. Delight in Jehovah is not only sweet in itself, but it sweetens the whole soul, till the longings of the heart become such that the Lord can safely promise to fulfill them. Is not that a grand delight, which molds our desires till they are like the desires of God? Our foolish way is to desire, and then set to work to compass what we desire. We do not go to work in God's way, which is to seek Him first, and then expect all things to be added unto us. If we will let our heart be filled with God till it runs over with delight, then the Lord Himself will take care that we shall not want any good thing. Instead of going abroad for joys, let us stay at home with God and drink waters out of our own fountain." He can do for us far more than all our friends. It is better to be content with God alone than to go about fretting and pining for the paltry trifles of time and sense. For a while we may have disappointments, but if these bring us nearer to the Lord, they are things to be prized exceedingly, for they will in the end secure to us the fulfillment of all our right desires.
In this day of many uncertainties, the political unrest, widespread violence, and moral confusion, people are asking, what is it all about? What does life mean, or does it have any meaning? Thankfully, there is one place where despairing men, women, and young people can find the answers to those questions, the Holy Bible, God's inspired, inerrant word. The Apostle Paul, speaking of the gospel, wrote, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. He was referring to the righteousness that God gives to sinners on the basis of Christ's death on the cross. A medical doctor who found life's answer in Christ has written a brief summary of the central teaching of the Bible in a booklet called The Meaning of Life and the Love of God. In a few clearly written pages, he explains how sinners can find forgiveness and redemption in God's blessed Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. For a free copy of The Meaning of Life and the Love of God, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of The Meaning of Life and the Love of God, and we'll be happy to provide it. As Dr. Cairns continues these studies in the life and earthly ministry of Christ, he commences a message on the theme, Jesus Christ, Man's Only Point of Contact with God. The text is found in Matthew chapter 11. At this point, the Lord Jesus was ministering in Galilee. John the Baptist had been imprisoned by King Herod, and he was having some doubts as to whether Christ was the true Messiah. Christ sent messengers to remind him of the miraculous things he had been doing. Jesus emphasized his unity with the Father, declaring himself to be the sole contact with God. As the centuries have borne witness, this is a truth which men have opposed vehemently, for it is a declaration of the exclusivity of the Christian faith. Now Dr. Cairns introduces this message, Jesus Christ man's only point of contact with God. We're continuing 
the studies in the life of Christ. We're going to read a few verses in chapter 10 and then a few verses in chapter 11. Starting at verse 16 in Matthew chapter 10. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child. And the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. And then uh, we will turn over to chapter 11, read the first few verses, and then skip down to verse 25. Matthew 11, it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Verse 25. At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. No man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen. The Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his word for his name's sake. In Matthew's Gospel, chapters 10 and 11, we have described for us the climactic events of the Lord Jesus Christ's first great Galilean ministry. When we next encounter the Lord Jesus, he is in Jerusalem for an unnamed feast of the Jews. But here in 10 and 11 of Matthew, he is still in Galilee. In these chapters, we have a series of events and of sayings from Christ that at first appear to be entirely unconnected. The fact is, I think that they are very intimately connected in that they focus on a central truth that runs through them all, a central truth indeed of the portrait of Christ as it appears in all the Gospels. 
And that is that the Lord Jesus is the only, I emphasize the only, point of contact between God and man and man and God. In other words, the verses that we read at the end of our reading, toward the end of Matthew chapter 11, in some ways control the idea of everything that we read this morning and even of the passages that for time I omitted reading. Verse 25 through 29, 30 of Matthew chapter 11. Particularly notice this, that Jesus said, All things are delivered unto me of my Father. Notice that he makes this glorious statement. No man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save or accept the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will, and the word will means may purpose to reveal him. I want you to get the force of those words. All things are by the Father delivered into the hand of the Son. No one knows the Son but the Father. No one knows the Father but the Son. I don't want to get into those words in any great depth this morning. They are words that first and foremost indicate the deity of Christ. He is God, and therefore only God can comprehend him. When it says that he knows the Father, if he were less than God, that would be a blasphemy. Because only God can comprehend God. Here is a statement of his deity. Here is a statement of the glorious unity and of the community of the Father and of the Son. Here is also the idea, at least in germ, of the Father and the Son as co-laborers in the work of redemption. The Father who knows the Son makes him known to men. The Son who knows the Father makes him known to men. And the result of it, of course, is given in the final verses, even bringing rest and peace and salvation to our souls. Now, in some way and degree, all the varied events and sayings recorded in chapters 10 and 11 of Matthew reflect upon this central theme. I want you to get the theme if you forget everything else that I say. That the Lord Jesus, the Christ of God, the Son of God, is the only means of contact. He is the only means of communication between God and men, and between men and God. God I will say cannot, because uh, I'm not now speaking, although I, I probably would go this far, but I'm not now speaking in terms of the eternal 
uh, capabilities of God, what he could have done, what he might have done differently. In the light of the revelation of Scripture, God can not speak to men except through Jesus Christ. I say I would go further than that. Jesus is called the Word of God. The revelation of God. The sermon of God. John Calvin uh, translated that. When he was doing a Latin translation, he called Jesus in John 1 verse 1 the sermon. The sermon of God. The self revelation of God. In other words, all that God has to say about himself, he says, in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. I think I can go far so far as to say that neither angel nor man in the entire history of creation has ever heard anything, received anything, or known anything of God except through the Son of God, the Word of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. God cannot speak to men without Christ, and if he did, it would destroy those to whom he spoke. Man cannot commune with God except through the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember that the Lord Jesus at the end of John chapter 1, I'm not going to take time in this for I've already dealt with it in a former study, but he referred to the story in the life of Jacob when at Bethel, as he fell asleep, he had a vision and he saw a ladder set up on the earth whose top reached to heaven. And the angels of God descending and ascending upon that ladder. The Lord Jesus referred to that. And he told Nathaniel and those who were with him that they henceforth would see the angels of God descending and ascending upon him. As if he were the fulfillment of Jacob's ladder, that which is set up by the mercy of God upon the earth but that reaches all the way to heaven and along which or through which any communication from earth to heaven must go and any answer from heaven to earth must come. The Lord Jesus is the only means of communication between God and man. God reveals himself to man solely in Christ. Man can go to God solely through Christ. Now, that's the truth around which the events and the statements of these chapters uh, are built. As we look at the portions then, we will start in chapter 10 from verse 16 onwards. This would really run through the rest of the chapter. You'll see this truth opposed and Christ appears as the divider of men. Jesus says, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be wise as serpent, harmless of doves, but beware of men. For they will deliver you up. And he then begins to give a prophecy of an ongoing persecution. Now, stop for a moment. 
He was sending out these disciples. We've already dealt with him sending them out immediately to do good in the towns and cities round about. This portion looks way beyond the immediate, right through the ages of time, right to the end of this age. But he's sending them out to do good. They healed the sick. They gave sight to the blind. They helped the needy. They brought hope to the hopeless. They brought light into darkness. You have to ask yourself, why would these people of all people be persecuted? Why would they be hated? Particularly, why would they be hated by the leaders of the Jews? Why would they be hated by the religious leaders and then by the political leaders? Why would their lives be in jeopardy? Well, the answer is very simple. This is why I said the truth that I have set forth controls all that happens in these chapters. It's because of the truth that they were preaching. If the disciples had merely gone forth to heal the sick, they'd never have anybody persecute them. Except maybe doctors and drug companies for ruining their profits. But they wouldn't have had anybody against them. If they had simply gone into the houses of mourning to raise the dead, nobody would have been against them. But when they went out into the world and they started preaching that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he is the only way back to God, that God has nothing to say to man outside of Christ, and man can say nothing to God without Jesus Christ, that in him alone is salvation, and apart from him is eternal damnation. My, when they started to preach that, such was the intense hatred that it brought forth in their hearers, that even their good works and their miracles couldn't shield them from the opposition. The Lord Jesus therefore warned that the truth of the gospel will be opposed. This couldn't, shouldn't therefore cause us either surprise or fear. There is a notion, you know, that the Lord Jesus, if he's truly believed on and truly served, will bring unity among men. I don't know where that notion ever arose except from the devil. It's been used again and again to batter those of us who are fundamental and separatist. If you really believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you wouldn't divide from anybody. That's what we're told. But the truth is that if you preach the Lord Jesus as God has revealed him, if you take your stand for the Lord Jesus as Scripture sets him forth, First of all, you'll have very little trouble separating because people will separate from you. And they'll hate you. And they'll oppose you. No matter how much good you do, even if they have to admit that good, it's not enough to overcome the inherent hatred of the heart of man against the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus makes it very clear. He didn't come to produce unity. Not in this age. There's an age to come when he will produce unity in the world. The unity that he produces is among those of like precious faith. Now there, there should be unity. And God forgive us where we feel in that unity. <laughs> 
You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. 